Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, praise the Lord. Y'all glad to be here? I'm glad to be here. Tell you a couple of things real quick. Yesterday we had a little event and preached a sermon and I don't remember the exact count. Seven, eight, nine. More people accepted Christ, got saved. That's good. That's real good. That's the best part of it. But uh, people that weren't here last week and listened on the app and the people who are listening on the app right now and I wanted to uh, touch on something real quick. <clears throat> For those that you were here, after praise and worship, at the end of service, we sing a song a lot of times. And uh, so the people on the app don't hear, hear after that. But last week, I was done preaching. I mean, I preached up here under a, an anointing. And um, as soon as I got about right here, I mean, right here, the anointing totally shifted and totally changed. I didn't know what was fixing to happen, but I knew something was fixing to happen. Because sometimes you can't feel your legs, and it feels like you're walking around with no legs. It's hard to explain it unless you've been there. But it was, it was stronger than that. It was, uh, I felt like I didn't even have a body. Honestly, I was just floating around. I leaned on this speaker right here for a moment because I just felt like I was fixing to just fall out into the floor. And then the Lord showed me something. But what I want, why I say that is this. We can pray. And we do pray. We pray for each other. And it says, uh, you know, tell, tell one another your problems. Tell each other uh, your, your sins. Pray for each other so you can be healed. <clears throat> and prayer definitely works. But when there's an anointing available, a specific anointing available, I, I can't, it's like I, I'm not in control of it. I don't just flip the switch and say, hey, today, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to have a special anointing up here for healing. Okay, I'm in control of this thing. That's what I choose to do. Come on down. That's not it. But what I'm saying is when that anointing is there, don't hesitate. Because the anointing's there for a reason. It's to break the yoke off of you. You understand what I'm saying? And this morning during praise and worship, I felt it again. I felt it again. It's feeling good right now. Amen. I don't know what all we're going to get into, but I know it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the 13th verse. We were in it last week. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. You're not the only one. The temptation's common. Everybody's tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. The sin comes after you're tempted, and a lot of times we make the wrong choice and we choose sin. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted by what, uh, beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. He'll never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, what you can handle, and there's always an outlet. There's always a way of, of an escape. Amen? <clears throat> that was the title of this last week's sermon. No outlet with the X through the no. Same thing this week. No outlet with the X through the no. No outlet part two. X out to know. There is an outlet. He provides an outlet. He provided the outlet 2,000 years ago. His name was Jesus Christ. Amen? There is an outlet. That's His name, Jesus. But it says here, God's faithful. He's always faithful, no matter what. His faithfulness doesn't depend upon your good deeds and your good actions. He's faithful. We should be faithful because He's faithful. We love Him because He loved us first. But God's always faithful. He never lets you down. He's not going to say, well, I'll let you down this time. 
He's not going to leave you out there stranded in the snow one time out of a hundred. He's always faithful. Each and every time, He's always faithful. You understand? We turn to faithful God. Human beings will let you down. I let my wife down all the time. Not on purpose. I just forget things. Stop by the store. Can you stop by the store on the way home? And I'm driving by the store. I'm two minutes from it. Can you stop by and grab this? Yes. And I go home. Where's the chicken? Oh, heck. I drove right by and forgot. She just told me. I let her down. You understand what I'm saying? And then she cooks the chicken. And then she lets me down after I try it. No, I'm kidding. But no matter what, he's always faithful. And uh, we can be strong for a while. We can be strong for a while. You know, mind over matter. Everybody's tried it. Everybody's done it. You can be strong for a while. You can go to the gym. I had not worked out in several years, but I used to. And I'll meet uh, Matt up there a lot of times to work out. But one thing we would do uh, every so often is... Um, I don't even really know what you call it. I just call it burning out because it burned real bad. But to fatigue the muscles. So maybe I would do, after we did some bench press and did some chest, uh, we'd just put on some really light weight that's really easy to handle and you're just going to do it as many times as you can. And you just really burn out your muscles. I mean, it, it, it burns and fatigue the muscles with the rest of the day. I mean, you're just like, you know, you're, you're useless. And uh, so, you know, you take off for a while and you got it, it's easy. It's light. It's really light. And then you do some more reps and some more reps and some more reps and all of a sudden now you're just trembling, you're just shaking, you can barely even get the thing up. And, you, you know, somebody's spotting you, Matt, for instance, saying, standing over me holding it, saying, you got one more, you got another one in you. Well, I really didn't have another one in me. I didn't have another one in me. And he, he'd say, it's all you. Oh, it's all you. I could have let go of the thing and it's still all him. It wasn't all me. He was getting some curls in. You know what I'm saying? But I was good for a while. But it's all him. And that's what we got to realize right out of the gate. It's all him. It's not all you. You don't have it. And you can be strong for a season. But seasons come and seasons go. Amen? Amen. You get weak over time. Just like lifting that. You get weak over time. And... Um, Sometimes you're on a diet and you're driving down the road. You look over and you see Krispy Kreme. Hot and now. Not later, right now. A dozen donuts. Hot and now. And you, you, you've, heard, you've ever said this or heard anybody say, I just felt weak. I just felt weak. Maybe somebody confronts you and runs that mouth and you jack slap them. I just felt weak. I just felt weak it happened. Sometimes you just feel weak, but you know what? It's because your flesh is weak. Spirit's willing, flesh is weak. And you're on a diet, but you felt weak. And you fell off. In other words, you can endure things for a season. You can go through things for a season on your own. That season's going to come to an end and you're going to feel weak and you're going to fall off the wagon. Your spirit's willing, your flesh is weak. And that's why it's important. So we're talking about no outlet. How can we uh, get stronger in this area and, 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 and get out? Get off the dead end road. Get off the, that street or don't even take it to begin with. Is one thing we've got to do is we've got to bond <clears throat> with, what, with, with what makes us strong. In John the 15th chapter, the 4th verse. Abide in me and I in you. 
as the branch cannot bear fruit or itself of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm a vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You got if you're a branch, you've got to stay connected to the vine. Sometimes we trim branches. And what happens? They dry up, they wear their way, sometimes they get burned. They get tossed to the side. You've got to stay connected to the vine. He's the vine, we're the branches, he's the source, and uh, we each and every one of us need him. So I heard about this uh some scientist I can't remember where he's from. That really doesn't matter. But he's doing a test, and he's got these rats. You know how they use mice, rats, or whatever to test things, study them. And he puts them in a cage, and he puts two bottles of water. One's just regular water, just like this here. And another bottle of water's got heroin in it. It's laced with heroin. 100% of the rats that were in the cage with the two choices all overdosed and died. They OD'd on heroin. They had two choices. The chemically infused water, heroin in it, or just the regular water. And they OD'd, every one of them. But then he created this other thing, another test. He created Rat Park. That's what he called it, Rat Park. And he put all kind of things in there that rats like, whatever that is. Different toys and those wheels that they run on and all kind of different things. And every time he put a male rat in there, he blessed the, the male rat with a female rat. So they had a companion in there and there in Rat Park. He also put the two bottles of water, the two sources of, of water. One, same thing, plain water. The other one with heroin in it. Not one single rat OD'd. Not one single rat. You know Why? Because they bonded with what made them strong. Rat Park. The wheels they were running on, the balls they were playing on, whatever it is that they were doing, they were connected to it, to this source. And they bonded with it. There's no different with you and I. So they were connected to something. And when you're connected to something, you're less vulnerable to the temptations. So it's time to get ready. So our spirit, when you're born again, your spirit, hey, there's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to go in there and clean it up or fix it up or do anything like that. It's created. It's perfect. Perfect right there. Brand new. New creation. Your spirit. Uh, and everybody that's born again believer, you, you, you have the spirit of God in you. So you have to have your spirit connected to what makes you strong. In other words, your, your spirit needs some food. And somebody sent me a picture here a while back. And, it's, you know, there's two wolves on, on the inside of you. Which one are you going to feed? You're going to feed the good one or the bad one? Because whichever one you feed is going to live and whichever one you starve is going to die. It's a lot longer than that, but that's the just of it. You take two dogs in the backyard, you can take a big old pit bull and a little chihuahua, and you starve the pit bull and you feed the chihuahua. Guess what's going to happen? Pit bull's going to die. Chihuahua's going to get fat. You need a fat spirit. Amen? Amen. So three things here. Number one, you need to feed your spirit with prayer. You need to feed your spirit with prayer. It needs to eat just like your body needs to eat. Your spirit needs to eat. We go and we exercise. When you go and exercise at the gym or you go run or you do whatever aerobics or whatever it is that you choose to do, when you exercise, you're going to get stronger. That's a fact. 
Well, every time you exercise, you're going to get strong. Well, you need to look at prayer for your spirit as an exercise. You want your spirit to get stronger? You need to exercise. You need to spend some time in prayer. So what's your prayer life look like? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you exercising your spirit in that way? Because exercising that equals strength. And we need strength. We need to be strong. Matthew 26, chapter 41st verse says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Key word there, fall. Fall. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Don't fall into temptation. Well, temptation is what you're going to fall into. Satan tries to trip you up. He dangles stuff in front of your face. He wants you to fall into temptation. How many times have people said, I fell? I was doing good for a while, but I fell. I was doing good on my diet, but I fell. I was doing good at keeping my temper, but I fell. I fell into temptation. You fall into sin. You fall into things you shouldn't fall into. He says, be careful. Watch and pray. Why are we, why are we watching and praying? So you won't fall into temptation. Temptation's coming. You need to be on the watch. You need to be praying. You need to be prayed up and you need to be ready. People all the time say they fell into sin or they fell into this or fell into that. But nobody ever said, you know what? I was just going through life and I just tripped and fell into holiness. I didn't even mean to. I just woke up this morning and I'm so righteous, I almost need two of them to contain it all. Because you don't fall into righteousness. That's, you have to purposely, intentionally uh, pursue righteousness. You have to put some effort into it. You have to pursue Christ. Spend some time praying. Amen? So that you don't fall into temptation. Luke, the 22nd chapter, the 42nd verse. Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. This is Jesus. He knows what's fixing to happen. This is moments before he's arrested and taken and crucified. He says, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. This right here is a prayer. And it's a prayer of submission. Now, he's looking. He knows what's fixing to happen. He knows what's fixing to happen. He knows he's fixing to be arrested. He knows he's fixing to be wrongfully accused. He knows they're fixing to snatch his hair out. He knows they're fixing to knock his teeth out, beat the daylights out of him. He knows they're going to strip him down naked publicly and humiliate him. He knows they're going to strap him to the whipping post and beat all the hide off of him. He knows they're going to jam a crown of thorns on his head. He knows he's going to carry the cross so that he can become the lamb who was slain for you and I, so we can have a choice today. He knew they were going to nail him to the cross, and he knew he was going to give up his spirit. He knew they were going to ram a spirit in his side. He knew that. He knew he was fixing to undergo the worst death that a human being can possibly undergo, and he's fixing to experience the, the, the most pain and suffering that a human being could possibly experience. I don't want to drink that cup. In fact, somebody came to him and and he said, you sure you want to drink this cup? You sure you're ready to drink this cup I'm fixing to drink? Y'all remember that? He knew what cup he was fixing to drink. He said, Father, if, there's any, if, it, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours. It's a prayer submission. He said, not my will. Even though I know it's fixing to hurt, I know, I know I'm fixing to go through it. Not my will, but your will be done. He's fully surrendered. Fully submitted to the plan of God. That should mean something to you. 
Let me tell you, you're stronger against temptations uh, that come against your flesh when you are surrendered and submitted to God. And I said that last week. I said, it's a daily thing. Say, God, I'm yours today. I'm surrendered. I'm submitted. These hands, these feet, this mouth, these ears, this life, this money, everything I've got, I'm surrendered. I'm submitted to you. I'm sold out here. It's all submitted to you because, see, you're less vulnerable to temptations when you, you walk around on a daily basis submitted and surrendered to God. We think about prayer. I don't want you to think that means that you get to get up and, and set your alarm and you got to sit there and try to think of something to pray for an hour. Because I hear people boast about it. I pray for an hour every morning. Because I remember I used to hear people say that. When I first tried to serve the Lord, and they'd say, I pray for an hour or hours. Now, you can pray for hours in the Spirit, no doubt. I pray all day in the Spirit. But I don't know how a human being can pray for hours in English. I ain't got that much to say. I can't even think about that much. I don't even know that many people. If I named everybody, it wouldn't take me hours. Goodness. But being a boasting about it. Yeah, I get up every day, pray for an hour. Feet hit the floor, I pray for about an hour. Whatever. You pray for an hour, you add it up all week. But anyway, maybe some of you do. But I don't want you to think about that as far as prayer life. There's things called shotgun prayers. Like I need him right here and I need him right now. Something just happened and I need you right now. And you might not have prayed this morning, but we're praying right now. I know a guy told me just the other day, he said he was in a restaurant he said he had a bad headache, got worse and worse and worse and worse. Somebody thought he was going to throw up, went in the restroom because he fully anticipated to lose his lunch. I've had headaches like that before. I can relate. Worst one I ever had was on an airplane. Went up ever how many thousand feet. Told the guy sitting beside me, I said, I think I'm fixing to pass smooth out. I'm going to the bathroom. I went in there. Whew. I mean, I was hugging that thing, throwing up. I was hurting so bad. I know what it's like. But he says, going down the road, he just said, Jesus, please take this headache from me. Help me. I can't take it anymore. Help me. You can do that. You know why? Because he did take the headache from you when he hung on the cross. By his stripes, you were healed. It belongs to you. You can ask for it. You can receive it. All it takes is faith. Jesus, give me some of what you provided for me already. What that blood provided for me. I need it right here, right now. I need you to heal me. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet. This headache don't belong to me. Take it away from me. Amen. See, even if you didn't get up and pray for an hour that morning, don't think any less of yourself like you're less of a Christian or something. You know, Because people think that. I used to think crazy things like that. When situations arise, instead of uh, trying every other avenue, and then you get to the point where you say, well, ain't nothing left to do now but pray. I've done that. Sometimes I catch myself doing it now. What in the world was you thinking? Pray first. Pray first. Save yourself a lot of heartache and pain when you do, I can tell you. Because He always shows up because He's an on-time God. Amen? So anyway, what does your prayer life look like? Maybe this right here, this first point, prayer. Uh, you know, your spirit, feeding your spirit with prayer. Maybe that's you. Maybe that meant something to you. What's your prayer life look like? I don't know. Do you know? Of course you do. Next thing. 
feeding on God's Word. David says right here, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your Word? How can they? Well, I'll tell you how. By living according to your Word. How can I do right? How can I stay on the wrong road? How can I stay on the road that, that's not the no outlet, the dead end road? What can I do to stay off of that road? What you can do is live according to the Word, not the world. Not live according to what everybody else is doing, what society is doing, what Hollywood says it's okay to do, what they tell you now in high school it's okay to do, whatever it is. Not living by that. Not living by what maybe even your parents did. By living by what this uh, Word says. Because just because mom and dad does it don't mean it's right. Because if mom and dad's not living by according to this Word, they ain't doing it right. That's why it's very important as a parent that your children see Jesus in you. Because little kids look at their parents and they imitate them. And if you're living for Christ and you're imitating Jesus, then they're imitating you, then they're imitating Christ. They need to see Christ in you. They need to see parents living by the Word, standing on the Word. Can't do what your friends are doing. Can't let the scripture right here doesn't say, How can a young person stay on path of purity, on the path of righteousness? How can he stay on the right road that God's laid out for you, clearly marked, by doing what your friends do? Just do whatever they do. I mean, everybody else is doing it. It doesn't say that clearly. It says, By living according to your word. Amen? That's one thing we need to do is feed on the Word. You can't live according to the Word if you don't know any Word. And the Word I'm talking about, let me, let, me, let me read another one right here. It says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. This is David. And he says, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, there's got to be some Word in your heart if you're going to use some Word against the enemy. You've got to have some Word in your heart if you're going to pull the Word out and use it against the enemy. Amen. It's what you've got to fill your heart with, the Word, not the world. Amen? If Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama is in your heart, nothing wrong with that song. I like Alabama. That's in your heart. You've been feeding on it. You've been listening to it every day. Sweet Home Alabama. And the problem arises. Satan comes. There's a temptation. Let me tell you, when you pull that word out and you sing to him, you respond with Sweet Home Alabama, it ain't going to help your situation at all. If you quote a line out of the, if you quote a line out of Talladega Nights, it's not going to help your situation at all. You got to change what you're putting in there. Amen. Live according to the Word. This Word right here, John one one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Need to memorize it. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. Everything was made through the Word of God. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The world won't comprehend it. The world, the world won't get it. But guess what? Skip on down to the 14th verse. This same word I'm talking about became flesh and dwelt among us. His name was Jesus. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That's the word I'm talking about that we need to put in us, use us, use it. Um, in Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the 12th verse, the Word of God is living and powerful. It's alive. This Word I'm talking about is alive. It's a living. It's powerful. It goes forth. It doesn't return void. It gets things accomplished. The Word of God does get things accomplished. 
It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, and the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is the word I'm talking about you've got to put in your heart. We talked about an armor, the helmet, helmet of salvation, the, the breastplate of righteousness. Well, you need, you need all these. That's defensive things that you need. The shield of faith, you need it. The belt, the buckle, you need it to keep your pants up. Can't fight with your pants down. Keep the robe, that belt keeps the robe of righteousness around you. But you need all these things. You need uh, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace. You need this whole armor. But in this entire armor that He gives you, He gives you one offensive weapon. It's the sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's what you use when Satan comes against you, when temptation comes against you, when you're tempted to go down the road that says no outlet, when he's trying to lure you down that road and tempt you, how do you fight? With the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You fight him with the Word of God. That's how you fight him. The sword is your offensive weapon. That's the only offensive weapon in the spiritual uh, artillery that he's given you. And you need it. Amen? Jesus used the word of God against Satan. In Matthew, the fourth chapter, the third verse, it says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. You know he's hungry. He's been out in the desert 40 days. He hadn't had anything to eat. And Satan wants to come tempt him at his weakest. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Notice there what he answered him with was, he says, It is written. And he quoted a scripture. He responded with the word. The temptation came to him and he responded with the word. That's important. He said, It is written. And then Satan says, He took him up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, up in a high place. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Satan says, for it's written, he shall give his angels charge over you. In, the hands, in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Satan used scripture. He reminded him. He said, remember what this scripture says? This scripture says right here that, uh, you, that he'll give his angels charge over you. And their, their hands, they'll bear you. They'll protect you, keep you safe. See? That's the way he works. It's never just a straight up 100% lie. Never. It's always a little bit of truth in the lie. See, he's using the word right here, Satan is. That's true. That word right there is truth. But Jesus responds and said to him, It is written. He uses the word. You should not tempt the Lord your God. You should not tempt your Lord, the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, carried him up the highest place he could find on the mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms. He showed him all these things. And he said, All these things I'll give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. What a lie. What a lie that people that Satan use, uses. I see talented people all the time that could use their gifts and can use their talents to serve the Lord. And it may not look glamorous. Uh, it, let's just say you can sing really well. Well, you're up here singing uh, Amazing Grace. Well, you know what? A bunch of girls may not be waiting for you at the door to talk to you and get your phone number. They may not want your autograph. They may not want to know when you're going to sing again. Uh, they may not be giving you out their phone numbers, whatever. It may not look all that glamorous. But Satan will say, hey, you can sing over here at this place. 
And there's a lot of hot babies up in there. Oh, it's glamorous over here. They're going to be shouting your name. It may not be glamorous right now, right here and right now, but let me tell you, it will be. Because all this stuff you see right here, it's all going to burn. It's all temporal. There is a permanent, but it's not here. You understand what I'm saying? Satan promises you things. But Jesus responds. He said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. I'm not serving any other gods. Then the devil uh, left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Let me tell you. The devil left him. Why? Because he uses the word against him. The very name of Jesus, the demons, the devil has to flee. He can't stand it. They can't stay in the same room with you. Let me tell you, if you're at the house, driving down the road in your truck, wherever you're at, and you sense like some kind of demonic uh, presence, or Satan's tempting you, telling you to go do this or to go do that, he can't hang around just the name of Jesus. All you got to do is just start saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hey, get on out of here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Get out of my truck, fool. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, he can't hang around. You got to know some scripture. You got to know some word. You can't use something that you don't know. You can't quote a scripture if you don't know a scripture. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. So what you need to do is, you know, I, I think I quote scriptures a lot. And uh, I may not even know exactly where they came from. I may not can remember the book and the, ver- and the chapter and verse. I just know the word. I've heard it. I've read it. I've said it. I've quoted it. I've used it. It's a weapon. You use it against Satan. You've got to feed on the Word. You can't use something you don't have. This Word's bread. It strengthens you. It's the bread of life. You eat bread to, to strengthen your flesh. You eat food to strengthen your flesh. You have to understand this Word of God strengthens your spirit. It's spiritual food. You must have it. There's got to be more than just a Sunday morning feeding. You get me? We don't eat. <clears throat> it's common sense. We don't eat just once a week. We eat every day. Unless you're on a fast. Unless you're in jail, maybe. But it's not because you don't want to eat. It's just because it's nasty food. It might take you a few weeks to get settled in and get hungry enough to eat it. I'm not speaking from experience, but I've heard. Anyway, maybe you're newly married. (laughs) And, uh, you know. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about, but see, so you got this word in you. That's why you got to memorize some word. Now I hear people say, "Well, I just, I'm not a reader." You don't have to be a reader. Um, can you can you listen? Are you a listener? They have these things now called iPhones. I mean, you turn that you, computers. It'll read it to you. You can just set the Bible the Bible app and just hit play and ride down the road. And just listen to the word. Just hearing the word. Just hearing the word. That's going to do you a lot more than hearing Rick and Bubba. It is. It's going to do you a lot better. Um, y'all remember the uh, Princess Bride? I was thinking about it this week, and I actually looked up the dude's name because I couldn't remember it. I remember it was a kind of a funny name. But uh, 
Um, every, every, he always said this. His name, he, he, would, he would confront the people and he would say, Hello, my name is uh, like Inigo Monteo. Matoya, whatever. It's been 20 years, okay? It's been a long time. I don't even know if it's fit to watch. I don't even know if it's full of cursing or not. I can't remember. But I do remember he always said this. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And this one time his left arm's hurt. He said, I got bad news for you. He gets the sword in his right hand. He goes, I'm not left-handed. You killed my father. Now prepare to die. He pulls the sword out. See, same thing. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When Satan comes and tempts, he gets what? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What's in you? The word that's in you. The word that you put into your heart. You protect your heart. You guard your heart. You've got to have some word in you. And you say, well, I just can't memorize things. Yeah, you can. Think about all the songs you memorize. If you do a little less memorizing uh, Justin Bieber songs and a little more memorizing um, the word of God, because Justin Bieber can't help you. Now, I did hear he was singing some Christian songs, though, so he may can help you. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I'm just being silly, but I'm being truthful. You can memorize. You can memorize what you want to remember, what you want to memorize. I made a lot of bad grades in school because I didn't memorize what I needed to memorize for the test. Not, Not because something was wrong with my memory. Something was wrong with my attention. I had my attention on fishing and hunting and other things. It certainly wasn't on making straight A's. And I don't regret any of it. Did I say that? Hey. Y'all better be focused in school, boys. See, God's faithful. He supplies all your needs. You got this phone, you got this computer, you can read the Word anywhere you go. You can take that phone with you. Everybody, most everybody, even the older people, younger people, kids are running around with these iPhones. It's right there. <clears throat> it is right there. It's just as easy to pull up a scripture and read it. Pull up that version Bible app. And it's got a daily reading. It'll, you can read the whole Bible in a year. They set it up for you. How easy is that? You just click on it and read it. Just read it. Now you can spend that same amount of time studying Facebook or who's getting picked up by the tide this year or you know how many offensive linemen are returning or whatever. Once again, none of that stuff's going to help you. You, you know what? Uh, you can carry that phone anywhere. You can pull up scriptures anytime. Just as easy as you can pull up Facebook. You can be on the throne and look at the, at the phone. The throne on, phone on the throne. You can, carry it any, you can carry it anywhere you want to go. Isn't that nice? It is. The reason I got an iPhone is for that very reason. I was next door and a guy named Raymond, he goes, he had this big old phone. I was like, what the heck is that big old thing? It looks like a like a little miniature computer. And he started showing me, and I was like, that's stupid. Something that big, cumbersome to carry around. I'll break that thing. And then he said, check this out. And he pulled up the Bible out. Every translation you've ever even thought of, something I never even heard of. And I said, oh, man. I went and got one the next day for that reason. Because before that, I had eight Bibles. And I would lay them out. All these translations, I did. 
I'd put them out of my, uh, let them on my bed, and I'd read every one of them in each translation. And now all of a sudden, I can just go, doop, doop. I went and bought the thing. And, uh, but I tell you right now, that same phone that is uh, a good tool to study the Word can be a tool that Satan uses against you. It just depends on which way you're going to click, world or, or Word. Y'all following me? You can't, uh, don't think for a second uh, that you can live a victorious Christian life without this offensive weapon. You can be saved, you can be born again, you can be a Christian, you can go to heaven. But if you're going to live a victorious Christian life without the, you think you're going to live it without this offensive weapon called the Word of God, you're kidding yourself, you're fooling yourself. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to word, use the Word of God. And you get in this Word of God, and guess what it does? It strengthens you and it transforms you. Amen? So maybe that one was for you. The Word, maybe both of them was for you. Third thing I was thinking uh, this morning was right people. Being around the right people. Because you can spend a lot of time around the wrong people. And Paul says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't go down that road. Don't do it. He says, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some of you who are ignorant of God. Are there some who are ignorant of God? I say this to your, uh, your shame. In other words, there's people that are ignorant of God, but you're not. Those people are going to try to lead you down the road. He says, not to be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't think that you're going to hang around with wrong people and they're going to help you do right things. You're going to hang around with bad people, wrong people, but you think they're going to help you do right things. That's not going to happen. You've got to get around the right people. For instance, if you're trying to overcome an issue, a situation, an addiction, if you're, an, if you're a recovering alcoholic, and I'm recovering from alcohol, I'm trying to stay away from it because it's had a hold on me for all these years. But I went to church last Sunday. I came down the altar call. I got up and I felt free. I went home better than I came in. But you know what? My buddies, they said, let's go shoot some pool down here at the bar. And you don't need to go. You don't need to go. Not right now. You're still recovering. You're still being transformed. Your mind's still being renewed. God's still working on you. You need some new friends to hang around with. Not to go up to your friends and go, Hey, I can't be your friend anymore. I'm cutting you loose. We're no friends. Don't even talk to me. Don't look at me. No, nothing like that. I'm just saying you need some good friends that's not going to pull you down. Surround yourself with people that's going to lift you up. And then when you get lifted up, when you get strengthened, guess what? Let's go, let's go, get, them, let's go get the other ones. Let's go get the other ones. Now you can strengthen them. Now they can see a change in you and go, wow, you're not who you used to be. Used to, you couldn't even be around alcohol or we'd have to get a cab to send you home. And now it don't even phase you because you don't want it anymore because there's an appetite that's changed. You've been feeding your spirit. Now you've got an appetite for spiritual things and not fleshly things. Honestly, I'm telling you, when I think about the things I used to do, it makes me want to if I don't like it. I'd rather just sit down and eat a can of sardines. I don't like sardines. I'd rather sit down and eat a can of sardines than I would go in and participate. Before I'd go into a bar and sit down and tie one on, I would eat, I'd, eat, I'd eat a can of sardines out in the middle of Highway 31 butt naked before I do that. Because <laughs> it makes me want to barf thinking about it. I'm not going to do it. But I used to would have done it. But something's changed. Something's changed. 
The Word of God has changed me. My desires have changed. You need people that's going to sharpen you. You don't need people that's going to coddle you. Oh, here you go, little baby. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah. No. You need people that's going to tell you like it is. Get in your face and go, hey, you ain't been in church two weeks. Oh, my bad. She really hadn't. I can do that. That's my mom. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Somebody's going to tell you like it is. Go, hey, man, what are you doing? You're a new creation. You're recreated. I thought you was living for the Lord. What, what in the world are you doing doing this? Man, come on. Iron sharpens iron. You need people that's going to strengthen you. People that's going to lift you up. You need a new set of friends. You need people to get in your face. I'm serious. You need people to help you take a step up. Not coddle you and just tell you, it's okay, baby. It'll be okay. No, it's not going to be okay. Come on. You're better than that. That's why it's important to be here. Because this right here is what you call the body of Christ. You need to be a member of the body of Christ. You need to be here with the body of Christ. Let me tell you, you could be at home this morning. You could read the Word of God. You could hear from God this morning. I did. You can, you can hear from Him. You can be pretty strong. Let me tell you, you can be a lot stronger right here. Every man that walks out on the football field is strong. But when 11 of them walk out there, they're a lot stronger. You can take one soldier, one Marine, and put him on the battlefield. He's strong. One Navy SEAL, he's a bad dude. You get the whole group of them together, they're stronger. You're stronger here. You're here, stronger here, doing life together. Strengthening each other. I used to say, uh, I don't like to pray. And, um, you know, I just didn't really get into the Word. And uh, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to spend time praying. I just, just, I don't know, just wasn't my thing. I just called somebody else to pray for me. Tell Jackie to do the praying. You know, tell my wife, you pray for her, you pray for them. I just really wasn't my thing, reading the Word. You know, I go through little spurt spells. I read it a little here and read it. I just never really just eh. hang out with church people. Oh God, how boring is that? What are they? What are we gonna do? Hang out and trim some hedges or something? There's no fun being a Christian. I mean, how boring? How wrong I was. How wrong I was until I started seeking Him, intentionally pursuing Him and praying Him, and you're talking to the Creator, the Master of the universe, and He starts talking back to you. Mm. Can't nothing, no drug or nothing like that in this world replace that. Then getting into the Word, and all of a sudden the words literally come alive to you on the pages and start speaking to you, and it's just as He's right there in the car with you because He is. And he starts showing you stuff and you're, you're struggling and you read a word and that boom, there's the answer. Or maybe you read a word on a Tuesday night and it don't really mean anything to you. You just read it. But then you go to work on Wednesday and the first thing happens is a co-worker comes up to you and asks you a question and what you read on Tuesday answers the question on Wednesday. And then you know, that was him talking to me. That's pretty dang exciting. And hanging out with Christians, it is exciting. Boy, is it. 
It's exciting to see people's lives change, people being set free. It's exciting to have people around you that will lift you up and to pray for you and rally around you uh, when, when you're weak, when you need help. It's important to be connected to the body of Christ. Maybe that one was for you. Why don't we take the way out more often? Why don't we take the way out more often? Why don't we stay on that road? Not connected to the vine. Not connected to the vine. You've got to stay connected to that which makes you strong. Just like the rats. They were connected to what made them strong. Therefore, the, there wasn't a temptation over here. You've got to be connected to what makes you strong. Amen? And I had an interesting night. The woman in the Bible, she was caught in the act of adultery. And um, they gathered around her and they were fixing a stoner. And Jesus is there and all the law keepers, all the Pharisees, they said, Jesus, look at this woman right here. She's caught in the very act of adultery. She sinned. She went down the wrong road. She took a wrong path. She was down it. He says, Moses' law says, we're within our rights. A stoner right here, right now. What do you say? Well, Jesus says, whoever's here without sin, cast the first stone. They dropped their stones and walked away. But there's something else that's interesting that Jesus did. He says he took an A and he began to, it doesn't say what he wrote. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But he began to draw or to write in the dirt. That's interesting to me. That he got down on his knee and stuck his hand in the dirt. He says, woman, where's your accusers? Where's your condemners now? They left. Neither do I condemn you. You went down the wrong road. You did go down the wrong road. But go and sin no more. What he said is, you made a mistake. But I'm your outlet. Don't do it again. Just don't do it again. He got down on his knee. Some of you here this morning have been down the wrong road. And you just feel dirty. Because sin makes you feel real dirty. You can take as many baths as you can bathe as many times as you want. You'll never feel clean until you bathe in the blood of Jesus. But Jesus got down on the knee and he said, I am not afraid to reach my hand down and stick it in your dirty life. Your dirty, messed up life. And let me pull you up. All he said was just, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Mm. I laid in the bed last night thinking, what in the world am I going to preach on this morning? Because I didn't even know. I was trying to work something else up. And I'm asking my wife some questions. I said, you got to help me. Come on. Give me something. And she said, are you sure you're supposed to preach on that? And I was like, well, well, yeah, I'm sure. I wasn't sure. I knew I wasn't sure. And when she confirmed that I wasn't sure, then I knew I was in trouble because then... I wasn't sure. All right, Lord. I went to bed pretty late. 
What in the world am I going to preach on tomorrow? I don't even know. And I wake up. I think I'm dreaming. It's late at night. It's raining. And it's late. I think I'm dreaming. I think I hear a voice. And then Jackie wakes me up and she gives me the phone. And uh, my daughter had Mackenzie was on yeah there she is she's on her way home from somewhere and um, the GPS said rerouted and it and it said go this way it said go down this road it said take this road right here he lied she went down this wrong road and she was coming back from the trussel area and she was over in the center point area and ended up in a not so nice looking neighborhood went down the wrong road I'm trying But she called her daddy. She said, Daddy, I went down the wrong road. I tried to turn around. I got stuck. I'm in this neighborhood. I can't, I'm stuck. And it's sketchy. And I'm scared. And she's crying. I jumped up quick as a flash and I opened the drawer and I got my 45 out and I threw some pants on, I threw a shirt on, I hit the door, I got my truck, I went down Parker Avenue and Gardendale, speed limit was 20, I did 90. I turned down Tarrant Road, I know the cops sit down at the bottom hill, I didn't care, they could chase me all the way to where she's at, then we'd deal with it. I went as fast as I could go without wrecking as a red light, turned on Carson Road, I didn't give a rip. I looked both ways. I went through the red light and I went down Carson Road past every car on the dang road. And I got there. I pulled my truck up and I got out. And it was raining. And I crawled under that car. It's dang so low the granny can't get under it. And I hooked the strap up and I pulled her out of the ditch. And I said, now follow me. So I went home a different direction. There's lots of other different paths you can take to go shorter. I said, just follow me. And she followed me and I led her to the house. And then when I got home and I sat there for a minute at the kitchen table, all this just came together. See, if you've gone down the wrong road and you're stuck on the road, it's got no outlet. And it's raining outside and it's dark outside and you're scared you're afraid, all you got to do is call your daddy. And I'm talking about your real daddy, your Abba Father. And when you call him, he'll go 90, he'll run the red light, he'll pass every car, he'll get there, he'll crawl under, he'll hook the strap up, he'll pull you out, and then he'll lead you all the way back home. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 